I'm Dr. Ben Rall. Do you know where the most amazing doctor lives? You may be surprised to learn that it's actually right inside of you. Yet, today's healthcare model is built on a foundation that the greatest doctor instead comes in the form of pills, potions, lotions, even surgery. So listen in, because what if the majority of what you have been told about health and healing is not only wrong, but actually harmful to you? One thing is for sure, when you work with your body and not against it, you'll begin to discover that you are in fact designed to heal. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Design to Heal podcast. My name is Jeff with Dr. Ben Rawl here and buddy today. We've got somebody on the line as usual. And yeah. uh, why don't you get us started? Very nice special, very, very special guest, very, um, very I mean, we, we pride ourselves on this here, but very high level guest, a very, what you're going to get to hear today and the caliber of information that you're going to get to hear today is, is very important. And I kind of look at it as like, we're going to get it right from the horse's mouth. And, yeah. and because some of what we're going to be talking about today is uh, Pfizer documents and, and a group that's been investigating that and researching that and putting things together, actually publishing a book about this, mm. some really, really important work. But the reason I say this is they're, they're using original source documents, right? They're going to the actual documents where decisions were made. So sometimes things is it's like the old game of telephone, right? Yeah, yeah. As you say it, and by the time it gets some down road down the road, it's like, is that really what was said? And so it's really important for us on this show mm -hmm. uh, to to be accurate, right? Because we talk about very serious things. Mm -hmm. However, sometimes the accurate reporting is still pretty crazy, right? And mm -hmm. almost hard mm -hmm. to believe if there was ever that the case. And so we have with us today Amy Kelly. Amy Kelly is the COO at Daily Clout. Um, many of you are probably just familiar with Daily Clout because you go there and you get information and you use it as a, as a source. And then also uh, the, the president, I believe, or CEO, Naomi Wolf, many know her and her work. She's been very outspoken during this time. I know a lot of people read her Substack, and she's very articulate about her journey and what she's experienced through this. So we are so blessed to have Amy with us today. So I'm just going to read you a little bit about Amy, and then I'm going to let her uh, brag a little bit on herself. I've asked her to do that. But Amy Kelly is a program director for the War Room Daily Clout Pfizer Document Analysis Project. She oversees approximately 3,250 volunteers who are reviewing, analyzed, and reporting on the court-ordered FDA-released Pfizer documents, as well as overseeing approximately 350 volunteer attorneys who are identifying uh, legal actions to be taken based on the findings from the Pfizer documents. Additionally, she does research and provides answers to the public's questions about adverse events found in the documents. Ms. Kelly has over 20 years of experience as a project manager. Additionally, she's a certified Six Sigma Black Belt certified in change management methodology has experience as a business anal an an analyst, pro product manager, and strategist. Prior to working at the Daily Cloud, she worked primarily in telecommunications, transportation, medical industries, uh, device industries. Outside of work, she volunteers on education-related causes uh, in the county and political organizations. She has her bachelor's degree graduating summa cum laude uh, down in uh, the southeast, she tells us. And so, Amy, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me today. Will you give us a little bit of background on on you? Because I just think it's always interesting. Anytime people end up in a position like you are, and whether you get thrust there, <laughs> divinely appointed there, or or try to get there, mm -hmm. there's always a, there's usually a backstory, and then of just and then also tell us a little bit about daily clout and what that is for people that maybe not aren't familiar with that. And I think it would be fascinating for them to kind of know the backstory there. Sure. Well, um, there was a call put out in early 2022 by Dr. Wolf and Steve Bannon when the Pfizer documents were released by the FDA for volunteers to sign up to start going through them. 
And I've always been interested in research and definitely have that skill set. And I had been following what had been going on with the vaccines, you know, definitely have my points of view about that and decided I was going to sign up to volunteer. And so when I went and did that on Daily Clout's website, I got a call the next day from somebody who was working at Daily Cloud asking if I was interested in being the project manager over this project because they had had just an unbelievable response. I think they were shocked by how many people signed up how and how quickly. And that wasn't something that they had the skill set to manage. And also, you know, they had other jobs they were doing. So Again, going back to what you said, it is kind of providential that it happened that way. Um, I had stayed home for several years being a stay-at-home mom, and my daughter was getting ready to head off to college, and I'd actually just been talking with my husband about um, maybe I'll start looking into going back to work now that she, you know, Oh, be careful of things that you say sometimes, right? (laughs) Those guys always say, I wonder what I'm going to do. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm not joking. It was the same day later that afternoon that I got the call from Daily Cloud. And I feel very passionate about this topic. And even though I have never managed a project with that many people involved, I decided I was going to go for it and felt like it had just been put before me and I was called to take it on. So that's how I got involved. And then, and then yeah, you would ahead, also yeah, ask yeah. for... Yeah, just to add a some little of the background on Daily Cloud. Sure. sure, Daily Cloud started out mainly as a place that we have um, a legislative tool called BillCam that allows every citizen, as well as people, you know, who are in legislatures and anyone else who's interested, to go and easily find legislation, whether it be at the federal level or at the state level, and you can search by topic. And it allows them to get activated and participating it. You can upvote it and downvote the legislation. You can share it across social media or via email or text with other people. And it really encourages activism about what's going on, both at your local and federal level. So that's more where Daily Clout was pre-COVID, I would say. Dr. Wolf is very interested and has always been in supporting people's freedoms, you know, very much for freedom of speech and for the everyday person being involved and having their constitutional rights. And so when she saw what was happening during COVID, she's very alarmed. She's historically aware and saw what was happening from a tyranny standpoint based on what's happened historically in other places. And she put together a model bill, a model legislation called the Five Freedoms. And it was implemented, it was something that you could take and customize by state and implement it in different states. And that was used fairly widely. And so she was already sort of on the journey to being involved with it. And then the Pfizer documents were released and she became involved in getting the volunteers for this. So that's her background. Many people probably already know. Traditionally, she has been very much on the left and the Democrat side of politics. Um, 
she said she now finds herself politically homeless and, you know, it's just on the team of the people who are doing the right thing, regardless of where they fall on the political spectrum, which I think is where a lot of us find ourselves. And, um, and if you've listened to, uh, you know, read her Substack or listened to, she's been doing readings of right, the right. Geneva Bible. She's very much on a spiritual journey as well. Um, she's Jewish and, uh, you know, but she's, as she tells me, she's quite interested in Rabbi Jesus. And so she's exploring her spirituality as well in this time, I think, as many of us have ended up doing on an even deeper level than we were probably doing it before all of these things happened. I'm, yeah, I, it hasn't missed. It certainly hasn't missed me. The number of people that I've seen that have been in, kind of thrust in this position, or or just found themselves in this in this time in this battle and speaking out. It's very rare I meet somebody that doesn't have something something bigger than them pulling them that way. And so whether that's some doctors that have spoken out or, or Dr. Naomi or yourself or any, any patients, even mm-hmm. the, you know, people that have been injured and these things that many of them will explain that, listen, this is something bigger than me that I feel, you know, compelled to, to stand up for or fight for or defend or, or, or whatever the word is that you choose to use. That being said, and thank you for that background, Amy. So this mm-hmm. is a, this is a big deal. Um, what you guys have done with the Pfizer uh, documents. And I know there's a lot of people that, you know, groups of people that have fought very hard to get these documents to happen and it wasn't easy to get them and they mm-hmm. didn't want them to be seen for 5 million years and all these kinds of things, um, <laughs> yes. you know, and of course, uh, Aaron Siri's friend and the work that, you know, that, that Highwire does and everybody trying to do this thing together. Um, however, um, mm-hmm. you guys have really done something that nobody else has done. And partly because I think what you said, it's so overwhelming, right? Look at the manpower that it's right. been required, but the things that you have found, am I accurate? Is it 42 reports? How many reports have you guys put out just from what you're, you know, the, the Oh, actually we are up to 67 now 67 and I'm reports. in the midst of working on 68, editing 68 right now to get that posted. Mm-hmm. So, so will you take us through kind of what we mean by when we say Pfizer docs and then we're, I and mean, of course we don't be here two, two weeks to talk about all 68, but there's some big ones that are really <laughs> almost unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can grasp that, it really starts to, the house of cards really starts to crumble. So take us through a little bit of the history of this. What exactly you mean by Pfizer docs and what are the, some of the things you guys have found? Sure. Um, as you mentioned, Aaron Siri is a key player in this. None of this would have happened without him. He attempted to do a FOIA to get the Pfizer documents released by the FDA. And for people who may not understand um, why they would be coming from the FDA, I'll just explain a little bit about that. So whenever a pharmaceutical company wants to have a new drug out in the market. They have to do all the clinical trial, they collect all this documentation, and the documentation is then submitted to the FDA. It's usually, typically, um, it can be regular documents like you would read or database files as well. So both of those exist. So back to Aaron theory. Um, When they wouldn't release it in response to freedom of information request, he sued the FDA and he was in a court in Texas. And luckily, the judge was supportive of what he was requesting and did see that it was in the public interest. And as you mentioned, 
um, Pfizer and the FDA wanted 75 years to release the documents that they had somehow read over in, you know, just a matter of weeks to get out and get an EUA approved, but they needed 75 years to release them. And remember, guys, remember, listeners, mm -hmm. this is when it's important you, you keep context in this. Remember when they were talking about this warp speed and creating these, they kept telling you how transparent they were going to be. They kept telling you how this, mm-hmm. hey, listen, this is all going to be above board, everybody, because this, because it is rushed. We need this. And then it couldn't have been further from the truth. And I'm telling you that because we, we, we need to make sure we do not get fooled again, right? We need to understand things that have happened and the, the systems that allowed that to happen so it doesn't happen again. I just wanted to make sure that people remember that. So go ahead, Amy, or carry on. Yes, that's true. Um, yes, so luckily the judge did not find 75 years to be a reasonable time frame and gave them eight months to release their documentation. And what they were required to release is 450,000 pages of documentation or page equivalents. And what a page equivalent means is there's a certain number of database rows that equals one PDF page in their agreement. So they released a ton of database files and tons and tons of documentation. And they did it at the rate of about 55,000 pages a month starting in March, 2022. So that's how we got the documents out. And Aaron Siri worked with a group called Public Health and Medical Professionals for Transparency. I believe they're actually the one that the suit was on behalf of. And all of the documents are um, available publicly on their website. It's phmpt.org. So anyone who wants to see the original Pfizer documents, they're there. You can download the entire production if you want to. So that's a lot of documents, <laughs> right? Yes, um, it is. <laughs> and, and, you know, if most of us would look at them, we wouldn't know where to start, right? It would be like, what is this? Is this mm-hmm. a different, different language? So, and, and understand, I think also, they, 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 that's almost by design sometimes. I mean, they don't want you to be able to understand them. They don't, they're not trying to make it coherent for you. So, so it requires a very large team, one that you're leading and what you guys are doing over there at Daily Cloud. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us some of the process of, you know, how have you guys been kind of going after it? And then what are some of the things that that you have found? Okay. Yes. So when I came on board, um, I divided the volunteers into six large teams and then six smaller teams and the large teams, um, the different teams were assigned documents similarly, but the large teams really focused on digging out findings that they thought were important. And we set up a form where they could submit them into a database we have. And so we have um, you know, an amazing number of findings they've submitted. And then the smaller groups were focused on also looking at the documents they were assigned each month and seeing if there were particular topics that were worthy of writing reports on, you know, that they thought the general public really needed to know about. And they tended to be made up more of um, doctors and nurses and usually a data analyst because there's so much data involved and medical investigators. Sometimes an attorney would be part of that group. And then they would put together the reports and submit those to me. And I read them um, and, you know, 
they're pretty much always something we want to post. And, but I do some editing and then that's how we get them out on the website. Uh, so that's how I divided all of that up. And it, it's, they're amazingly productive. These are volunteers who are doing all of this out of the goodness of their hearts to help humanity. Everyone has their different reasons for why they're doing it. But when you think about all of this talent that's been brought forth and all of these professionals in the medical and science space that are willing to dedicate their time to this, and they dedicated just an unbelievable amount of time. It's really humbling to be part of a project like that. And I think this is maybe the first time anything's been crowdsourced in this way from a research perspective. Yeah. And so it's wonderful to see it succeed. Well, is it interesting um, to and, Amy, you know, and, uh, well, people that uh, what, I, what I think is really important about this is, um, you know, it's it's original source documents. So they're all they're all. It's not like mm-hmm. we're having three thousand people's you know write their own essay and what they think about COVID jabs. You know what I mean, right? It's it's yes, everybody exactly. reading the same book and we're talking about what's in the book. And when you're looking at, you know, mm-hmm. research specifically, it's, you know, the, the, the numbers are the numbers. And so everything gets to be, you know, backed up and verified and, 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 you know, and, 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 and checked out. So I just, I, as a listener, it's like, well, you know, hey, that's a lot of people, that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Correct. Um, however, mm-hmm. these are people, like you said, that, that are um, many, many or most are, are certainly professional or certainly but here's the other thing I would want a person to know: you don't have to be a, 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 a you know a scientist you know to read science. Okay, you don't have to be a doctor oh, no. to have a thought mm-hmm. about your health. Okay, and so, um, but I just think it, it <laughs> yes. really is fascinating, and it really is interesting. And maybe uh, you guys have created a new model that allows us to do um, some things that that can get this information in, in, into people's hands, uh, so that, you know they can make better decisions. So. Uh, thank you for leading the charge and of course indirectly to all of the people that have volunteered that you know will maybe never know and don't want maybe they don't even want to be known but those people that have done that as a labor of love doctors lawyers professionals moms dads widows brothers and sisters and things like that so thank you for that but some of this stuff has been bombshells if you will that you guys have have brought to light yes um let's dive into some of those Well, one thing that always um, sticks out most to me is that there's been such an assault on reproductive health from these vaccines. And, you know, we can speculate about whether that just happened by accident or was purposeful. You know, people have different opinions, but it's very harmful. Women tend to be affected and have adverse events at a three to one ratio to men. So that's one aspect of it that's been interesting. We don't know why that's happening yet. People are looking into that and trying to determine it. But what we have found out is there are all types of menstrual harms. Um, Dr. Robert Chandler actually did a report on this and listed out all of the different menstrual harms that happen to women. And the list is unbelievably long. And when you're having problems with your period, then you're going to have reproductive issues going on. And in addition to that, the vaccine ingredients, which 
we all pretty much now know that they don't stay in your arm. They go all through your body. That's called biodistribution. And Pfizer actually had studies as part of their clinical trial documents showing that. So they knew that. So when we were told early on it stays in your arm, both they and the FDA and I feel certain the CDC knew that wasn't true. And when they biodistribute through your body, they go into all different organs, but they all particularly also go into ovaries and testes. And we are thinking that that definitely has some negative impacts on reproductive issues. One thing we found with um, men in reproductive issues is that their sperm concentrations are negatively impacted as well as sperm motility. There's something called an anti-sperm antibody that is in the Pfizer documents as an adverse event, what's well, an adverse event of special interest. And for those that don't know what that is, that makes um, a person's body view sperm as a danger and attack and kill it. So it can lead to infertility in males if they have that adverse event. We've learned that Oh, go ahead. Well, I want to just not even want to stop here. I just want to put a couple of thoughts. So you guys, she's what, what sure. Amy's referencing here is these are the documents that Pfizer used to get their approval for the vaccine. These are the documents of the research that they were doing or, or however you want to say that. Like this is where this is. Mm -hmm. well, that's what she's referencing. So the reason a couple of reasons that that is important is exactly what you said. I remember when when it was becoming more publicly known, meaning mostly just through like uh, people sharing on social media things, women were starting to say, oh my gosh, I, I got vaccinated and I've, I, I miscarried or I got vaccinated and I, my, I haven't cycled for three, four, five years and now I'm cycling again or or um, I've, I'm having mm -hmm. crazy heavy cycles or I stopped cycling. These come generally not that, but what's, what's interesting to me, so, and those people were called crazy. Those people were told yes. that is there's no science that says that. Uh, they were made fun of on the news. They were shut down and censored on social media. Sometimes their accounts were banned. They were flagged. They were called unscientific. And I'm telling you, so, and, and then at, at the same time, I have this memory. I don't even remember where, but I remember somebody standing up there, some official talking about how, nope, that jab, it just stays right in your arm. Da, 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 da. That's what it does. And so you'd say, well, so, cause here's what's often said. And you're seeing this lately in, in kind of popular press where they're saying, Hey, you know, the science is catching up. We couldn't have known everything. We're learning more ladies and gentlemen. They knew it then. That's you need to yes. understand that because now it becomes a lie. It becomes fraudulent. It becomes, uh, you know, it could be nefarious at worst, you know, intentional to mm -hmm. um, an oversight, which then still you should go, what the heck, right? You know, did the people that approved this not read these documents? I mean, if, if we can take a team of 3,000 people, crowdsourced it of professionals, and we can get this stuff out, you know, and, and review it and, and, and document it and show it then my goodness, why can't, why can't they? And so you should be, just this few minutes we've talked about the first few findings should be devastatingly concerning to you. And I saw some numbers recently, Amy, of um, the, the reduction in birth. It's like the worst birth rates we've seen yes. in, in, since, I don't even remember the number, but it was unbelievable. Um, we're in, we're in, we're in, mm -hmm. we're in trouble. This is a concern in my world of practicing as a chiropractor, I wellness, I get a lot of, 
I get a lot of these conversations. I want to have a baby. We're trying. We can't. We lost it. You know, this kind of stuff. And it's like, I, I could open up a fertility mm-hmm. clinic right now, I feel like. You know what I mean? Just because of how much I'm hearing about this. And so um, you guys gave verification and validation to many women who thought that they were, who were being told that they're crazy. And so I want to thank yes. you. I want to thank you for that and your, and your team. But, but I want to ask the question. Oh, though, you're welcome. Amy, if, if I mm-hmm. could hear, I mean, this stuff is in these documents and everything. Like what, what is the response from, from the world of pharma? Like how are they even, you know, addressing this kind of stuff? Because this is a big deal. Obviously this is the future of the human race here for all intents and purposes. So yes. what, what's their excuse? What is their response? What is their, what is their narrative right now? They are not addressing it, and they continue to say safe and effective, safe and effective. Let's vaccinate pregnant women. Let's vaccinate babies. And one thing I wanted to mention in relation to that is we do know for sure now that the vaccines cross the placental barrier, and which I'm sure you understand this. What that means is that what is circulating through the mom is then circulating through this tiny developing fetus that's in the mom. And so the mRNA, lipid nanoparticles, all of that. And lipid nanoparticles were actually created with the idea that they would be able to cross such barriers. They also crossed the um, yeah. the blood-brain barrier. Yeah. And so one reason I mentioned this is because it's a generational reproductive mm, attack. Mm, mm. So, you know, even these babies in the womb are you know, getting what the mom has if she's been vaccinated, they're born. And then if they're being breastfed, mRNA has been shown to be in breast milk. So they are receiving it that way as well. And as you know, um, we're now vaccinating down to six months old. And if if you're listening, um, just as a fascinating medical fact here, women, a baby, female, you know, girls that are born, they're born with Mm -hmm. their eggs, you are a baby is That's born, right. you know, different than a male who generates sperm, you know, as they get older, a woman, every egg she'll ever mm-hmm. have is with her at birth. Matter of fact, I just read an article last night of just this opening line of this article. And it said, a mom carrying their baby is carrying her future grandchildren at the same time. And it just like stopped me in my tracks. It was just a powerful statement. But if you see what's happening yes. right here, my friends, if you listen, what's so we know that it's crossing, it's going in, it's concentrating ovaries, ovaries, testes, even in the brain. We're seeing it show up all over the body, kidneys. Yet, so, but also understand by the fact that it can cross the blood brain barrier, the placental barrier, and then it's going to get into the baby, and then maybe through breast milk as well, and then God forbid another jab to a baby. Uh, you're good. I, I mean, I, I hate to even say this out loud the the worst might be yet to come as far as reproductive injury exactly. goes. Exactly. And we could have a sterile group of women across we won't know for till they come of age. Yes. And 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 then which women is, and men. Yeah, women and men. You're you're right. So um mm-hmm. unbelievable. And you know, like to Jeff's point, you know, the fact you guys that it's crickets from the industry um, mm-hmm. is or not even worse than crickets. It's uh saying, oh no, it's fine, safe and effective, safe and effective. Um should just every red flag that you have ever owned should be waving at this point. Okay. Um, and I mean, you should ben, be- what you're saying, if that is true, you're talking about these babies in the womb that are born and already have fertility struggles potentially. Yeah. Right. And potentially in the next generation mm-hmm. thereafter, like, can we just stop and reflect on that for a second and how big of a deal 
that is. I mean, these are existential issues. For, forget forget existence, actually. Just just think of think of your wife, think of my wife, think of the women that we know and and how central motherhood is to so many of them. And how I mean, yeah. you know, as we read in scripture, Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. That's what moms do. And we're talking about something that at six months old is being administered right now that potentially is robbing from that. Not forever. potentially. Not potentially. Right. The the research shows it does go there and concentrate mm-hmm. and has negative impacts on that. Well, right. I'm saying, but yeah. to what extent we yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it, it yeah. may vary for the person. That's what I'm arguing right here. I mean, if that doesn't if that doesn't sober one's thinking up to say Whoa, mm-hmm. pause. And that's where that's where again that my just crazy average Jeff brain goes. Like, if that is true, how on earth can we not be hearing about this conversation? How on earth is this not central to everything right now? That's the well, thing that Amy, always could amazes you, could me. Could you speak to that? Because I guess that is interesting. Because you you know, Naomi's got pull and you know, connections and daily clout and all your guys' mm-hmm. background. So it has to, I know it gets out because thankfully there's, you know, good networks out there that help, right? But there's still, you can still, mm-hmm. this is not, I mean, have that's a Jeff's question there. What has happens when you guys try to get this out? I know you're publishing a book and we can talk about that. People can pre-order it. Mm-hmm. But what is, what is, what have you guys experienced? You know, because like, yeah, this should be like, stop the presses, front page news, put a billboard up. Like, like if I go on CNN and Fox News right now and look <laughs> yeah. at the list of the stories right now, A, they're not covering this and B, right. the stuff that they are, I'm going, really? Yeah, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Really? So what have you guys experienced yeah. with that? Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh, it's crickets from the mainstream media, um, as you might expect. It's like, it's as if it doesn't even exist. Not only does our reporting not exist, but the fact that the Pfizer documents were released into the public domain doesn't exist. And I, um, this is something I tell people a lot of times that I have this experience. People want to know what I do for a living if they just meet me. And I will ask them if they're aware that the Pfizer clinical documents were released um, in March 2022 no one has ever said yes. That isn't like part of my own family or something. You've had some and interesting seatmates on the that, airplane. Is that what you're saying? You've had some interesting rides right, on the airplane. Exactly. <laughs> what yes. do you do? Oh, I'm sorry I yes. asked. Oh, man. Yeah. Does, does that That's end the right. conversation Let's, immediately? Does that just shut it down? They just turn the other way, put on some headphones or something? Like, how does that go for you? I'm just curious. <laughs> People are actually usually interested. Um, what okay. they... I think one reason they've been more open to it than I even expected. I mean, there's certainly people that aren't, but I think a lot of people are is because I tell them, yes, we have reported on them. I was like, but it's all from the primary source Pfizer documents. So we cite our, in all of our reports are loaded with citations. Anyone can click on the links and go look at the original documents that they come from or the supporting medical studies that go along with it. It's all fact-based. And I I do believe that makes people more open to considering that maybe there's something there and that it's not being presented politically, you know, because it's not in our book and our reports, there isn't a political bent to it. It's just what the research is showing. Amy, do you think when you look at the research and what you, because you've been intimate with it and and are writing these reports, mm-hmm. and and I and if you don't feel comfortable answering this, don't. But I mean, is it mm-hmm. is it when you look at it and you look at what they use to to essentially approve these, are you at a loss of how they ever got on the market? 
I mean, is it like blowing your mind? I am or? outside of just malfeasance. Is yeah. The one thing that comes to mind, but yes, I mean, there's, there's no way that, um, well, as we all know, there was not enough time to do sure, thorough sure. studying and research, but even say that they did think they had it dialed into that by the time the documentation was submitted to the FDA and when the EUA was authorized, which in the U.S. it was um, December 11th, 2020, there's no way they were able to go through all of this documentation in the short time frame they had. And so I really feel like the fact that it was going to be approved was rubber stamped before it ever got there. One thing a lot of people don't realize too, and we had um, three of our volunteers who wrote a fantastic report on this, is that the EUA was approved based on 170 patients in the clinical trial. So there were, I think it was around 44,000 yeah. total patients in the trial, and they only had to use 170 to get the EUA approved. However, within those 170, there were several protocol deviations. So when a pharmaceutical company goes to do a clinical trial, they have to write out what their protocol is and how they're going to follow it. And if they change anything, it has to be documented and approved to be changed. And there were protocol deviations, which brought down the number of people in that 170 group who would have fit in to the correct protocol to 164, which was not a high enough number where the EUA should have been approved. However, the protocol deviations were ignored and it was ushered on through. So think about that again to the listeners. I, I want you to just sit on this. A, a, a drug that, uh, or a, a, yeah, an injection, a, an mRNA technology gene therapy that they've tried, tried and, and unfortunately have been somewhat successful in getting into billions of people. Um, I just need you to understand that happened with 164 people as being the, the group that they made that decision off of. And I think anybody that hears that, it should cause you great pause. I don't think it would be a leap for... Well, first of all, I just think if I asked anybody about how many people do you think they tested on, nobody would say 164. They would think, well, I don't know, tens of thousands or a million or something like this. We just would believe that, especially if we're going to be... And the reason it's so important, you guys, even outside of how you feel about the jab, the reason it's important is it's just good science. It's what allows us to mm -hmm. find... Because if something's... One, so just do the math. If, if something is one in 200, well, we wouldn't even know. Possibly. It could have been missed. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to go give it to billions of people. And by the way, not billions. We're going to give them multiple doses and multiple boosters. And we're going to give it into classes of people that we haven't tested it on with multiple comorbidities and who knows what else they're getting it with and who knows what underlying issues they have or interactions or, or uh, and whatever, uh, uh, mm -hmm. allergies. And so it's a really, that's just poor Science. Now, the, the concern is we've been able to sit here. Yeah. You said December of uh, 2020, December 11th. You know, now we're mm -hmm. here in 2023. Unfortunately, and I think you would agree, Amy, if not, let me know. But um, much of what mm -hmm. we've seen now and the, the, the concerns, the adverse events reporting, the, the, the deaths, the injuries, um, even now some of the scarier stuff, the cancers, turbo cancers mm -hmm. and things like this. Uh, of course, now you're talking yeah. about menstrual cycles and fertility. 
Um, this wasn't a surprise if you would have read the documents. Like, you don't, I mean, if we would have access to read them, I'm not saying anybody can read 475,000 pages. I just mean, this, <laughs> this, this wasn't a surprise. It was known. Much of this was known or highly, highly suspected or at worst, not studied. And so we certainly shouldn't say it's not a problem. And so it's important, right. to, yeah, to, to, to remember that again. Why do I keep saying this? So you're not fooled again. Right. Um, so what are some, yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add to that? And then what's, an, what are some of the other findings? Well, I wanted to mention to people that um, there's a document, it's called a post-marketing document and it post-marketing is the research and data gathering that's done in the 90 days following when a drug is rolled out to the public. And in this case, it's based on December 1st, 2020, which is when it was rolled out publicly in the UK. And what post-marketing does is it gathers adverse events, adverse event reports. So cases in a post-marketing document are the patient. So one case equals one patient. And then um, there's adverse events that are separate from that. So there were over 42,000 cases reported during these first 90 days of the rollout and over 158,000 adverse events among those 42,000 something cases. So when you look at the post-marketing document, we, it, we call it 5.3.6 for shorthand because that's part of the name of it. And you'll see a lot of reports on our website about it. It is just absolutely shocking what was known. It was known that the miscarriage rate was, um, I think it was around 85% is what Dr. Pierre Corey, I believe, mm -hmm. determined from that document. Yeah, and it was, there's an appendix to the document that's, about eight and a half pages long, and it has 1,190 adverse events of special interest listed, margin to margin, top to bottom. And I really encourage people to go look at it because what, what is so shocking when you look at that is not only all the adverse events that were known, but that it was essentially memory hold. Nobody ever put it out there and said, oh my goodness, look what's going on. We need to pause and revisit. And so that that data gathering period ended on February 28th, 2021. And the FDA had that document in their possession by April 30th, 2021. We know that because we can see in the margin of the documents that were released, it says when the FDA accepted it. So by April 30th, 2021, there was no excuse for anyone to not know about these adverse events that were occurring yet. And this is one of the horrors of um, looking through all of this and beginning to understand it is there truly was no informed consent given to people. You know, I always picture people looking at those eight and a half pages or so of adverse events and reading through those before they're getting the shot and no one would ever get it, you know, because it's terrible things. And the adverse events of special interest are even um, more concerning than just a regular adverse events. They're the ones that in this case, Pfizer flagged as something we need to continue following and seeing what happens. Now, Amy, and, am I correct in this? A couple mm -hmm. things. One is, you know, uh, well, I've seen, I've actually held the um, inserts from some of the COVID jabs. 
And they literally were like a blank. Mm -hmm. They were blank. I mean, so when you say, you know, the informed consent, it two things literally. Well, first of all, it wasn't given. And but even almost more concerning was it wasn't even possible to give it because we hadn't really even done proper studies to know all those things. And those things that we did know, <laughs> the, the hundreds to thousands of adverse events were, were certainly warranted mm -hmm. enough. And I agree with you. I think if the average person, not average person, if any person would read that, they would have said, oh my gosh, no, thank you. That seems a little bit crazy. Might need to study this mm -hmm. a little bit more. I'll take my chances with COVID. But the other thing, you guys, is that this bad science or this, whatever you want to call what we're talking about today, that, that led to a lot of bad policy. Okay, that led to people losing their mm -hmm. jobs. That led to businesses being shut down. That led to schools being shut down. That led to you know college campuses. All these, all of the. You know, there's so many things I'm forgetting here, but um, you, we, yes. we need to understand. And then, and then, of course, this also led to you know many other treatments being pushed under the rug, not being able to get mainstream attention, not being studied, being vilified. So the implications of this document are profound. Okay, because it's more than yeah. just the bad science. This science is what they use to justify destroying many, 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 many people's lives and for really, unfortunately, no benefit. And so that's what's really, that's additionally a, a concerning there. So I think I interrupted you, Amy. Go ahead and continue. Oh, that's okay. I don't remember exactly where it was, but based <laughs> on what you were just saying, the refrain, the nonstop constant refrain of safe and effective, safe and effective was a known lie by the people that were saying it. You know, I'm not talking about the talking heads and the media right, right. and who knows what they knew. But the people that were feeding them that information, they knew that wasn't true. And yet they continued to state and they continue to state it to this day, even. Now, you told so me that, it, mm -hmm. that you guys are also close to getting the Moderna documents. Right. So what is happening, there are two different lawsuits that have been going on to get the Moderna documents released. And uh, we found out maybe a week, week and a half ago, that one of the lawsuits, which has been done by Defending the Republic, has gotten an, an agreement with the FDA where about 24,000 pages of Moderna documents are going to be released starting in July of this year. One thing that's um, exciting about that is the first thing that is going to be released is it's over 13,000 page, pages related to adverse events. Wow. I actually worked with the Defending the Republic team some to help them know what order to request mm. documentation. And because that's something we learned from this production is making sure you get the right things matters and, you know, asking for the right things in the right order. So they're going to have that production. And then Aaron Siri has another lawsuit he's doing um, that related to the Moderna documents and the rest of the documents, my understanding is are going to fall under his lawsuit. I believe it's in appeals right now, but uh, I also have been told that it's in front of the same judge that agreed to release mm. the Pfizer documents. So that's a wonderful thing. It means it probably will happen. And in talking with the attorneys at Defending the Republic, I learned that, you know, 450,000 pages for the Pfizer document sounds like so much. There's millions of pages for the Moderna documents. I think they said around 4 million. Amazing. So I'm hoping that by the end of the year, um, 
documents from both of those lawsuits will be rolling out. And both teams want to make them publicly available again. So they will be out there in the public domain. And we're going to put together, well, we'll be using the team we have right now, but essentially like the same type of project for the Moderna documents to dig into those. Amy, forgive me if I have a simplified maybe Hollywood-like view of of some of these documents and everything, but I, I kind of picture in my mind mm-hmm. like a big office with a bunch of shredders and people like frantically trying to, you know, kind of destroy <laughs> this stuff. And I don't know how crazy that is, but when you talk about millions of documents, I'm going, what, I, I mean, is there is there a possibility here, not to sound conspiratorial, but is there a, a real strong possibility that mm-hmm. that which you're even getting doesn't even begin because of maybe destruction of these things? Is that even allowed? Is that possible? Um, what, what, what would you say about that? I'm not, I'm not sure about destruction. I mean, goodness, I wouldn't put anything past anyone at this point. But what does happen is there can be situations where a pharmaceutical company says there's proprietary knowledge Mm. in a group of documents, for example, and they will be given permission to not release that. For example, there's something called, the documents are submitted to the FDA in what's called modules. And module three of the documentation that was submitted for Pfizer is market, I'm sorry, manufacturing documentation. And to date, we've never received any manufacturing documents. And people are quite interested in those documents because it certainly appears that there were manufacturing abnormalities and good manufacturing practices weren't followed. But um, I've talked to a person who's an FDA expert, and she told me that she thinks it's because they were able to say, you know, there's knowledge in here that's proprietary and can't be shared with the yeah. public. Here's the um, thing. Yeah. There, there may be other reasons. The thing that mm-hmm. is, is is important for us to remember as we're listening to this, though, that's one thing if it's, oh, I don't know, the, the, the color of... I don't know, the color of my car or, you know, your something that is not going to be injected into my body. Right. And so there's when, <laughs> when this is where it, we have to really think through this. So they say, well, I don't want to share that. that's proprietary. Well, then minimally, and I would still go further than this. But if, if that's the case, you're saying, well, I'm not going to tell you what's in it or how it's made or this, and that and the other thing or release documents. Well, then minimally, you cannot mandate that. Right. The, the saying, the bumper sticker statement is right where there is, wherever there's risk, there must be choice. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Aaron was on it, actually. And right. he said, he said, minimally, we always need the ability to say no. We always need the ability mm-hmm. to say, and when I say ability to say no. I don't just mean like, like, I mean, without, without repercussions, I mean, losing your job or can't go to school. I mean, I'm saying like, it's a, it's accepted that you refused a medical procedure, i.e. in this case, a jab. Because without that ability right. to say no, and then on their end, they're not going to tell you what's in it. Like it's it's actually fascinating because what we're really sitting here discussing is these agencies, government involved as well, are literally refusing to tell you what they did. And then we're somehow the bad people because we're trying to figure it out so we can see, is this thing safe to go on me? And they're like, well, we don't really want to tell you. Well, that's craziness, right? <laughs> I mean, it's very, it is very yeah. weird that the conversation that we're even having, that it's requiring Freedom of Information Acts through lawyers and attorneys and all this to, to get to them just telling me what is in the thing you're going to mandate and try to inject in me. 
that is odd and let let that not be lost on you yeah. as you're as you're listening to this like it's as crazy it's actually crazier than what i just said and don't apologize for having questions mm. don't apologize for saying time out that's not enough for me to roll up my sleeve right time out we're not going to just hijack and bypass scientific protocols because it's uncomfortable or we don't have time or whatever and if you are going to do that which again i think is not a suggestion then minimally it is a complete choice and that is where we missed on both ends of that spectrum mm. and so um what 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 you know as we're kind of winding down here amy and just um mm -hmm. i really want you to make sure that you are able to share you know the things that you think are most important for listeners because just like you said they're not going to see it on the on the front page of the news yet um likely i mean of course you can find some mm -hmm. of these things on daily clout they can buy the book pre-order the book but is there some other just kind of things you want to mm -hmm. make sure you get out for the record here today before we uh wind down well there's some there's some tools i would like to tell people about that i think just the general public needs to know about if they don't one is called abstractor and you can go on to Daily Clout's website. There's a red box on the homepage that says read the latest Pfizer reports. And when you click on that, on the right-hand side in a green box, you'll see Abstractor. You can click on that. It's a front-end search tool for the Pfizer documents. So you can go in there and put in the side effects that you're hearing about or questions you may have and search for them in the actual document. Um, it's been a wonderful tool and asset to have um, in researching this and in teaching others to empower themselves in doing that. Also, if anyone has not gone and looked at the vSafe dashboard that ICANN has put out, I highly recommend looking at that. It's another window into the data that is available and that nobody in the government wanted release they had to fight to get that released as well and it's very telling about the level of adverse events that were happening early on so that's something else i want to encourage people to look at do you you know and so that's you know important and don't be intimidated you know uh people that you're if you're listening to this you, you you know not only don't be intimidated if you even if you are a little bit like just you know look into it a little bit, especially, well, the V-Safe one is, is really designed to be a pretty easy interface, you know, for a person to look at, you can understand yes. it and go, oh, that's a lot. That seems weird. That's crazy. And I know they're working on even mm -hmm. ups, more stuff they're updating that was uh, not in the first kind of dump. And now they're getting, you know, the, the query boxes and where they could write in more, even write in more adverse right. reactions. And so it's likely, again, this is often just the tip of the iceberg. It's not a, we certainly aren't find the more we find, we aren't going, oh, it's better than I thought. We're finding out it's worse than we thought. You know, it's not <laughs> exactly. like, oh, maybe I made a big yeah. deal out of this. It's, um, you know, it still isn't. And especially, um, so so tell us about the book, uh, how they can order the book and what is in that book. And then, um, yeah, good for them to know that. Yeah. If you go to dailyclout.io backslash shop, you will see um, the listing for the book. You can click on it and pre-order it. There are 46, the first 46 reports are in there from 2022. We cut off um, what's in the book at the end of 2022 because it was coming out in January. So that just, just seemed the place to do it. And it's 
crazy how big the book is, even with it just being the first 46 reports. It's around 430 pages, and it's the size of a textbook. It's eight and a half by 11. And there's just so much good information in there. And I think it makes it very real to see it in a book format. And, you know, then you can get your highlighters out or you can share it with other people, um, which a lot of people have bought multiple copies because they wanted to either share it with people they know or send it, you know, to their senators or representatives, people like that. Um, so it it was a wonderful thing to get accomplished. It's also available in a PDF ebook site in our shop if you would rather have it that way and it's available on amazon in a kindle version so we are currently expecting the next printing to be available to ship out on um, may 8th okay you know as mm -hmm. i listen to you we talk about these intense topics but i can't help you mm -hmm. know i've never met you in person but you seem like a mm -hmm joyful person. You seem like a happy person. You seem like, you know, even though we're talking about some, mm -hmm. some crazy stuff here, um, I still just sense some optimism in your voice. Um, are you optimistic? Yes. Do you, do you see a way forward? Are you seeing people wake up? Are you seeing minds and hearts change? Are you, are you thinking that we have a future that could be better than the past or where are you about with it? Kind of a personal question, but it's just struck me talking to you today. Yeah. I am a hopeful person and I definitely try to be a joyful warrior. And um, I think there's always hope in every situation. And I do think people are waking up. I have so many people reach out to me directly via email asking me questions about the vaccines, you know, they may have been vaccinated themselves or their family members have been. And people are seeing what's going on around them, whether it be in their family or friends or the wider population, and they know something isn't right now. And so I do really think people are waking up and starting to ask the right questions. As always, there's going to be people that no matter what they see or hear, they're never going to wake up because they're all in on what their belief system is. But overall, I, I'm seeing a positive movement. You know, we just had the FDA come out and change their guidelines for the vaccines. And when they changed it to just the bivalent vaccine, even though that's not what we want either, it is half the dose that was originally being recommended with the monovalent, the two dose um, ones that originally came out. So that's encouraging. We're seeing uh, vaccine mandates being dropped in colleges. You know, we are seeing a fight in Florida right now to completely get rid of mask mandates legally, like make it law that they're gone even from healthcare settings. Uh, so there are positive things happening. And one thing that has made me, um, I guess, have hope and be joyful in this is I have met an amazing group of people doing this. There are so many people from all walks of life fighting for what's good and what's right. And it's been really encouraging to know that there are people who will stand up in the face of truly adversity because it's been so hard to stand up, especially with cancel culture going on and being able to know them and associate with them and work with them has really lifted me up 
during a time that's been difficult. And I, we actually just had a book party. And that is one of the things I highlighted in my talk that I gave there was there can truly be wonderful things that arise out of the ashes of terrible events like we've been through. And I see that happening. Well, Amy, you are one of those people that I think you described to many others. And by you uh, following that providential, you know, just urge to get involved and to help, you know, it doesn't, he doesn't ask always for our ability. He asks us for our availability. And that just means we say yes. And so you said yes, and you had a skill set that allowed you to help lead a team and manage a team. And I know you don't take all the credit. I know everybody's working very hard, but just thank you for, for stepping up and for uh, as a time such as this, as they say, that you've just said, hey, I don't know if I can do everything, but I can do what I can with what I have. And so we're thankful for you. We're thankful for the work of Daily Clout, for just fighting the good fight, even in the face oh, of you. whatever this whatever this is that we're going through here, this uh, mm-hmm. tyrannical times, uh, a, an amazing time to be alive, an amazing time to be part of this solution. So just thank you so much for your time. Send our best to your team. And oh, thank uh, you. God bless. And we'll talk soon. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe. To learn more about Dr. Ben's work, visit AchieveWellness.clinic.